Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to part two, the only sin God won't forgive, and 21 other things you didn't know about sin, part two. So we got through half yesterday. I'm going to endeavor to knock out the other half today. Hope you're having a good day wherever you are, whatever day and time it is, wherever you're at. Glad that you're watching. Evelyn, Cheryl from Columbus, Ohio. Jessica, good to see you. Luzon, thank you for speaking the truth. I spoke the truth to my husband, and he did not like it. Greetings from Western Cape, South Africa. You tell him I said to shape up or ship out. Uh, Isaac, Makiba, good to see you. Independence, Missouri, good to see you too. Glad that you're here. Let's get started. I want to read where we read yesterday. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Galatians chapter 5. Got I think that the girl that broadcasts it for it messes everything up. Galatians 5. The Bible says, verse 16. Now remember, what's this book of the Bible? Galatians. Because Paul wrote it to who? The church at Galatia. Not the sinners of Galatia. So it is interesting when people argue that once you're saved, hey, Montreal, good to see you. Stockton, California. Michael from uh, Montreal, donating already. Thank you. Alberta, Canada, praying for you guys. Paul wrote this to the church at Galatia. So when he reminds them that if they, if they do these sins, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God, how could there be debate as to whether a Christian uh, can, can lose their salvation and fall back into sin. Why would Paul have wasted a paragraph telling Christians specific behaviors that if they do these things, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Janine says it's a glorious morning in fabulous Las Vegas. I believe that. It actually, I actually had a picture pop up on my phone from a year ago when Adonis and I were there at the Dutch Brothers in um, Las Vegas, crystal blue sky. It's an it's a underrated city. There's more there than just gambling. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Remember, this is written to Christians. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, which is idol worship, or as a youth pastor in West Virginia once said, adultery. I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. But he meant idolatry, which I actually haven't done. I've never, I don't know, maybe he has problems. I've never worshipped an idol. Sorcery, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is writing back to a church that he had a revival at and started. Morning, Jamie. Morning, Melissa. Morning, Holly. Morning, uh, Asa. And reminding them that if they fall into these behaviors, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know, really, the reason I never... Uh, the reason I never... 
get into the debate on whether you can lose your salvation or not is even the people that believe you can't lose your salvation, if you question them on it, it's such circular reasoning. Because you'll say like, okay, so you're telling me that a, a, a minister that steals church money to go buy cocaine, which stuff like this has happened, and they find him overdosed in a hotel room with prostitutes. You're telling me he's still going to go to heaven? They say, well, he was never really saved. Okay, then it's circular. If you're just going to say that everybody that, that once knew the Lord and fell back actually was never really saved, then there's nothing to argue about because even they have to admit that there are people who once lived on fire for God. Let me ask you a question. What's the purpose of the parable of the ten virgins? That all ten had fire in their lamps, oil in their lamps, in their fire. And five became lazy, and the fire went out. The oil went out, uh, uh, ran dry, and the fire went out. And they, said, they cried, Lord, Lord, let us in. And he, he replied, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't even know who you are. So you too must, must keep watch all the time. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man returns. Why put that story in there? Ten originally had the fire. Five lost the fire. As the bridegroom delayed his coming, five let their fire go out. I'll give you another one. I said I, said I wasn't going to get into this. Now, now I'm deep into it. Hebrews 6. I mean, this one's like irrefutable. Hebrews 6, 4, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to bring back those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted of the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. How do, you, how do you read that? It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Hebrews 6.4, For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. Don't tell me that that person wasn't ever saved. The Bible says they, they were partakers of the Holy Spirit and the power of the, uh, of the age to come. And what, what does it mean? What does it mean that you, you can't bring somebody like that back? There's a, an evangelist who, if he would have stayed the course, probably would have been, you know, like a, a Reinhardt Bonnke level evangelist. Massive crusades, and he totally backslid. I'm talking about a guy that had born blind people healed. And if you talk to him now, he doesn't even believe. Oh, that's awesome, Letty. I remember meeting you there. Seven years ago at Doylestown, Pennsylvania, uh, you prayed for me to get my student visa. And you said the Lord, you asked the Lord to give me citizenship. I just got my citizenship along with a promotion at work. God is good. Well, great, Letty. Brazilian population in Pennsylvania increasing. Um. If you talk to that evangelist now, he doesn't even believe his own miracles that happened in his own meetings. What would you say to that guy to bring him back to God? What are you going to tell him out of the Bible? He preached longer in the ministry than I've preached up till this point. He probably knows the Bible better than me. He doesn't believe it. Nah. Just like that. What are you going to say to that guy to bring him back? What more could God do for him to bring him back? He's tasted of everything there is and rejected it. Let me ask you a question. Would you say from Matthew to Revelation, the main message of the Bible 
is just chill. If you're saved, everything's going to work out. Or would you say the Bible is putting something in you from Matthew to Revelation that you, be, you better keep a watch on your life? Why? Let me ask you another question. If, if it was impossible to lose your salvation, why did Jesus have the Apostle John write back to seven churches and five of the seven got warned that they were, they were going to be out? Be careful that your candlestick is not removed from the lampstand of God. What, what, what's that verse all about? How come Jesus didn't just write back to seven churches and say, hey, I know you've been having a relationship with that, that whore of Babylon, that wicked woman that you, you have in your church. You know what? Don't worry about it. I knew you were going to do that when I died on the cross. And how many know my, my sacrifice covers all sin, past, present, and future? Everything's going to work out in the end. No. It was warning. Paul warned. I think Paul gave some type of correction, you know, st- severe correction, like you're going you're gonna to go to hell if you don't shape up. He gave some kind of, of correction to every place he wrote back to other than uh, the church in Ephesus in Ephesians. Look at how he wrote to the church. It's not the city of Corinth. It's the church of Corinth. What's this I hear that, that you're doing so, something that even the pagans don't do? That a son has taken his father's wife as his wife? You, you warn them right now, and if they won't listen, I'll turn them over to Satan. I mean, that's, that's how he's writing to a church. Not, hey, how many know his grace covers it all? Whether you take your dad's uh, wife as your own wife or not. Or, or you tell little lies, it's all sin, amen? Yeah, many know it's all sin, whether you tell a little lie or whether you butcher eight people to death and bury their bodies in two different state parks. It's all sin. That's not how he talked. I would be very careful about any kind of teaching that the fruit of it is to lull you to sleep spiritually. You know, everything's going to be fine. You know, we all mess up. You, we all have sin that we do. For some, it's, for some it's uh, lying. For some, it's stealing. Some people like murdering. No, the Bible puts a harsh attitude against sin in you. And we went over that yesterday. So yesterday, we left off at uh, number 11, which was the four stages of sin. If you missed yesterday, it's archived. Hey, Sharon, God bless you. Let's start at number 12. This is the only sin God won't forgive and 21 other things you didn't know about sin, part two. So altogether, it's basically 22 facts about sin. And I wanted to cover the, un- the unpardonable sin. Uh, numbers 32, 23. Numbers 32, But if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. So the second part of that verse, be sure your sin will find you out, which I don't know. When I was in Sunday school, I'm talking when I was like a little kid, they hammered that verse into you. Be sure your sin will find you out. I used to just tell on myself. I'd go home and just tell my mom and dad everything I got in trouble for that day. Because I, they had put, they had so pumped that verse into you. Your sin's going to find you out. So, listen, this is going to come out eventually. So, just so you know, I, uh, I made an angry face when my teacher told me to do something, and she yelled at me. So, anyway, just so you know, I would just like rat on myself at dinner time. Hey, mom, uh, and I've noticed Camila does that. If, like the three times a year, she does something wrong. And my mom wrote in the comments, "That's true," because. That, I remember that as my, my first grade or second grade memory verse, Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. There is a, so number 12, sin carries a law with it. So there's several laws that come with sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. 
Then here's another law. It's an unbreakable law. Sin will be exposed. If you don't repent of it to the Lord, it gets exposed. God gives people time to repent. He gives them ample time to repent. A lot of the famous preachers that fell 50 years back and then in the 80s and 90s, in the Voice of Healing movement, there was a guy, he got into bad doctrine, he ended up dying early. Kenneth Hagin went and visited him. And the Lord, the Lord told him to give him a warning. And he, he gave the guy a warning. The guy didn't want to listen, and he died. There was a major ministry in the United States that ended up falling. Before they fell, they had Lester Summerall on as a guest on their TV program live. When they went to commercial... As soon as they said clear and they were on commercial, Lester Summerall looked at the host and said, so-and-so, the Lord told me you have three months to get everything cleaned up. And if you don't, you're going to lose everything. And that preacher went to jail. He didn't listen. So he had all that time to repent before. Then when he didn't repent, the Lord sent another one of his servants to give him another chance, not to embarrass him. And then when he still wouldn't, then it all came out on NBC and ABC and worldwide news. And the man went to jail, drugged and raped uh, one, of the, one of the secretaries at his ministry. You know, you, those aren't little sins. That's, <laughs> that's bad. Lord gave him time. Be sure your sin will find you out. I found it interesting I won't say the name of the company. Actually, I don't even know if they're a company anymore. But there was a company that catered in America and Canada. Uh, their byline was, ha have a discreet affair. So it was a matchmaking service for married women who wanted to have an affair and married men who wanted to have an affair. And their database got hacked into and published. So everyone that had a private account the private account became public. I'm always reminded of that, that um, verse, what's done in secret will be shouted from the housetops. You know, and, the, and if you don't know, everything is recorded. Now, your phone is always recording you. The only way your phone doesn't record you is if, it, is if the battery is taken out and it's impossible to take the battery out of the new phones. If your phone's anywhere near you, it's recording you. Your televisions with the smart camera are spying on you. That Operation Echelon or whatever that got launched in the 90s by the government, that huge... Can you find that for me and pop it up on the screen? People think you're just nuts. That huge um, government center that tracks... It was launched under the Clinton administration. It I think it has every phone call recorded. Basically, everything, everything recorded, every email, anything you've, you've uh, done online, it's all recorded. Sin, and this, so this is important to know. Sin carries a law with it that it cannot be covered. Whoever covers sin will not prosper. That's another scripture. Let me, find, let me find the reference. They have the, the data center. Let's see it. I want to see a picture of it. Proverbs 28.13, write that down if you would. Proverbs 28.13, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. In the King James, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And I feel like that second part gets left out of American Christianity. Whoever confesses and forsakes. I want you to write that in the comments. And forsakes. 
So in America now, they just, you know, like, yeah, just confess. Lord. Whoever confesses their sin and forsakes their sin. Not getting into the habit of, hey, Lord, obviously it's another week. I've sinned again. You know the drill. I confess, you forgive, and I'm going back to do it. No. Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. Whoever conceals his sin will not prosper. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Sin carries a law with it that it can't be covered. Be sure your sin will find you out. Very important to know that. All right, let's see the photo. So all that is is data storage, right? Every telephone call and email. I don't know if you're allowed to say this or not, but hopefully it'll get, I think we all can agree, hopefully it gets bombed. Internet searches. Internet searches. Parking receipts, travel itinerary. Parking receipts, travel itinerary. Bookstore purchases. Bookstore purchases. So it's all there, and I've always wondered when it says what, you know, because the Bible said the day will come where what's done in secret will be shouted from the housetops. I'm, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that gets hacked and there ends up being some kind of like where you can search anybody by name and look at everything they ever did on the internet, travel, parking, everything. So now that you know that, nuclear war doesn't sound that bad, does it? <laughs> Whoever covers his sin shall not prosper. Be sure your sin will find you out. Sin carries with it a law that it can't be covered. If you sin, confess it to the Lord and get mercy and forgiveness and turn from it. Don't cover it. It's in Utah. Number 13, there's only one sin that can't, that can't be forgiven. It's not murder. It's not adultery. It's certainly not divorce. So if you've been divorced, or, you know, and you just feel like you'll, you'll never really be right with God. Again. No, there's one sin that can't be forgiven. Matthew 12, 31. This is Jesus speaking. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except, right in the comments, except. Now, if the Bible tells you every sin can be forgiven except one, I would really want to know what it is and then make sure to never do it. Except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man, Jesus, can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Now, how somebody reads that and their interpretation of it is, um, you know what, people say, what's the unpardonable sin? Listen, if you're worried about it, that means he didn't do it. No, do you think Jesus said that, to, that to, to, so that there could be a thing that you don't worry about? I'm not saying worry about. Worry is a poor choice of word. If the Bible says all sin will be forgiven, Jesus, except blaspheming the, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, what's one thing that you probably should make sure to never do? Blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I feel like so much of Christianity is geared to weak-minded people. I know, you know, I've, I'm 40 years old. I've been in church my whole life. There's people that hear that. I think I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and can never be forgiven. And they never did. I can't help those people. If your mind's that weak, 
I'm not going to change what I teach and preach because there's people that have extremely poor minds. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil or mocking the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of believers, especially young Bible college students, that feel no qualms about turning Christian television on and just saying whatever they, I actually think he's used of, you better be careful. If children were mauled by bears for mocking Elisha for being bald, how much more careful should adults be by what they let come out of their mouth? There's only one sin that can't be forgiven, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. I, w I, would, I would be careful about leaving Benny Hinn's program on and just saying what you think. I would be careful. If you don't like somebody's ministry, keep your mouth shut and change the channel. And I'd be ultra careful about being a modern-day Pharisee that does exactly to a ministry now what the Pharisees did to Jesus. He can do these things because he's empowered by the prince of, of devils. That's what the Pharisees said. That's what Jesus was responding to. Keep your mouth shut. Don't turn on Christian TV if you can't watch it without mocking it or saying... When the Holy Spirit starts moving, I'd be careful. I would be very careful about just popping off at the mouth. It's a huge mistake. It's the only sin that can't be forgiven, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So avoid it. Um, Jonathan, what do you think about Benny Hinn? I go months without uh, thinking about Benny Hinn. That's what I think. Anybody in the comments? Anybody that's watching? No, unbelief's not the, uh, the unforgivable sin. It's blaspheming. What do you mean? What about? It's very clear. I just read it. There's one sin that will not be forgiven in this life or the life to come. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how Jesus could say that and then a preacher thinks it's their job to make sure everyone realizes that they've never done it and you're never going to do it. You, know, you don't have to worry about that. Amen. No, you should really, uh, you should have that in the back of your mind. Note to self, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit or I'll go to hell for sure. That's how you should feel. I don't understand why Benny Hinn throws his jacket on people. Great, then don't understand it. You should be careful. All those kids said to Elisha was, go up thou now, thy, thou bald head. That's all they said. And two she-bears came out and killed all of them. Mauled them. Bears mauled them. Let me tell you something. Everybody I went to Bible college with that used to just sit and talk about the popular ministries of the day and make sneering comments, they're all fat losers. There's a curse for acting like that. But I already defined it. I'll define it again. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit has two things to it. A, attributing the works of the Holy Ghost to the devil. The reason those people get people healed is they're actually full. That's the devil working. Oh, yeah. You want to go on record with that? That T.L. Osborne healed people because he was demon-possessed? Called them away from false gods to receive Jesus Christ? I'd, I'd be careful. I'd be careful. Any, anyway, in the comments, and then the second part, is mocking the Holy Ghost. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm not talking about a snide comment. I'm talking about when it, when it crosses the line. What's the line? I don't know. So I would just stay very clear of it. You want to go talk about preachers and what you think about their ministries? Leave me out of the conversation. I've got the thing I got ready, uh, the thing I got ready to say. I know a lot of Christians say stuff like that, and they need to be very careful. Because whoever talks about the unpardonable sin, and if they do, it's just to make sure. Now, I know. Listen, if you're, if you're concerned about the unpardonable sin, don't be. Um, you've not committed it. How do you know? Who are you? I don't know why modern preachers think it's their job just to set everybody at ease. We're going to talk about end-time Bible prophecy. It can frighten some people. You know, don't be frightened. No, some of you should be frightened. Some of you should, the, didn't, didn't Paul say, some saved by fear, knowing the terror of the Lord, we do work to persuade men? I don't know how I can put it any clearer. I don't understand people's follow-up questions. There's one sin. I'm quoting Jesus. This is, not, this is not my opinion. I'm quoting the Bible. I'm quoting Christ directly. There is one sin that will not be forgiven either in this life or the life to come, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't mock tongues. I would stay, where, where's the line? I don't know, so stay very clear of it. I wouldn't mock tongues. Jem said, how does the unpardonable sin in Jesus saying he will not cast out anyone who comes to him come together? Some people teach that if somebody crosses that line, think of it, nobody can come to God unless the Spirit draws them, which is why people say if you have a drawing to repent, then obviously you haven't crossed the line. Because when you meet people who do that, full of pride, you know, nobody can tell them anything. The Pharisees weren't coming to God, hey, listen, we, now that you healed Lazarus, we understand that maybe we were off. No, they said, now let's kill Lazarus too, or all the people will go to him. That's how it comes together. I don't understand why preachers feel it's their job to set everybody at ease about eternity. Hey, you know. I mean, if you've said, no, you need, <laughs> you need to be sure. You need to be, you need to make sure that your salvation account is settled with God, that you've not allowed sin in. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Please define blaspheme. How many freaking times do you want me to, to, to define it? Here's an idea. You're on the internet. Why don't, you, why don't you look up the definition yourself now that I've defined it twice and you want it defined again? Mocking or attributing it, attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. I would not mock tongues if I were you. I would not mock healing. I wouldn't mock the manner in which people administer healing. Anyway, I started to say, if you're in the comments, did anybody in the comments ever run track, or, track and field? If you ran track and field, you know that you can not only be disqualified from the race for breaking the rules, you can also be disqualified from the race for stepping into another runner's lane. So I want you to write this down. Stay in your lane. Don't step into another runner's lane. Jonathan, what do you think about um, the pastor in Florida? I don't. His ministry is between him and God. I'm not his overseer. You know, if I'm, if I'm the person's apostle and they're under me, then I, I would call them up and give them. I'm not, if they're not mine, if the Lord hasn't put them in my care, it's not my business. Just carry out the thing God called you to do. When you, let me just tell you something. When you hear ministers that always have opinions on other ministers, they, I guarantee you they have nothing going on. I don't have time to sit around. 
and evaluate what other ministries are, are doing. I got a, plenty going on. I keep abreast of what's happening in the body of Christ globally in a good way. I know what Dag Haywood Mills is doing. I, uh, I know what Robert Kayanja is doing. I know what Bishop Oyedepo is doing. Not in a critical way, because they inspire me. I watch the people that are advancing the cause of Christ. But to just flip on Daystar every night at 7 till 9, and I don't like that. I don't, I don't have that time, and if I had the time, I'd do something else. It's always some pastor that has 60 people that has thoughts on Benny Hinn. Nothing wrong with having 60 people if your church is nine months old, 18 months old. If you're in year 35 and there's 60 people, something's wrong. Aniko brings up a good point. Their whole thing is that we're blaspheming the Spirit by attributing things to him that aren't him at all and claim that all the moves of the Spirit aren't him. She's right. That's what the other side says that feels free to just mock the Holy Ghost. But Jesus wasn't responding to that. Jesus wasn't... <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus watching the Pharisees have a move of God and saying, you know what, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because those things aren't... No, it was the other way around. They were saying, he can cast out demons because he's filled with the prince of demons. And Jesus said, hey, you better be careful. Number one, any kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So if Satan's casting out Satan, his kingdom's doomed. Secondly, be careful about blaspheming the Holy Ghost because that's the only sin that won't be forgiven. That's what he was responding to. It's amazing what sticklers for context... Certain segments of Christianity are. But then when it comes to healing and the Holy Ghost and revival, it all goes out the window. We don't believe in the, Holy, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, because that died out with the last apostle. Where's that in the Bible? It's not there. So what happened, what happened to sola scriptura? Your sola scriptura until you get to the Holy Ghost, and then it's <laughs> audio scriptura. There's only one sin that can't be forgiven. Matthew 12, 31. Blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Number 14. Romans 6. And tomorrow, we're going to get into this point for the whole day. How to do it. I want you to read with me Romans 6, 1 to 14. One of the most important passages in the Bible. Yes, the Pharisees did actually blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a difference. There's people that have questions about the Holy Spirit. That's fine. But then, then there's other people that cross the line that they hate the Holy Ghost. Hate it. Hate the move of the Holy Ghost. Hate him. Hate his manifestations. And that's how the Pharisees were. It actually brought up a murder, a, a, a murderous spirit in them when it came to Jesus operating in the anointing. Same with Stephen. Stephen ground their teeth and picked up rocks. And that same spirit is in people that, that are anti the move of the Holy Spirit. You can see it now. If they could kill you and get away with it, they would. They just don't want to go to jail or whatever. They hate, they hate. You know, there's people I have muted on Twitter and different social media. They're full of the devil. I mean, just talking all misspelled caps. You're a false brother. I had, I had somebody write me... Um, they said uh, I was. They found me because somebody warned them about me. 
Some guy's got a decent amount of followers on, on Twitter, and that's all he does. He has a disease, and so he's bitter against anybody that preaches healing. He hates them. Hates me. Never met me. Hates me. If that guy could see, could have me executed legally, he would do it. Just like they did with Stephen and Jesus. So he actually ended up turning people to watch because the lady said, uh, I was warned about you, but I watched you and I, I really liked what you teach and you didn't seem like a bad guy. Well, watch me at 11 p.m. But in the morning, I'm a good guy. Romans 6.1. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, not we're going to be set free. We were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. What's the opposite of considering yourself to be dead to the, to the power of sin? I mean, no, we all sin every day as long as we're in a human body. No, the Bible says that you should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's Romans 6.11. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to its sinful desires, ever. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as a weapon of righteousness, the, the older uh, New Living Translation used to say. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Write that down. Romans 6.14, sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Number 14, you can live in total victory over sin. Tomorrow, I'm going to take the whole day on that. How you can live in total dominion. The Bible says you're not a slave of sin. I used to carry a ministry product when I preached youth camps and to teenagers a lot. And it was a CD set entitled, Making Sin Your Slave. Making Sin Your Slave. How to Live Completely Free from the Power of Sin. I would have district youth reps call me. I don't know if that's a, is that true? You know, I've never heard anything like that. I've, I've always heard that you, we all sin, you know. Yeah, who cares what you've heard? What's, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible tell you you have to sin as long as you're in a human body? Or does the Bible tell you that it's possible to live in total victory over sin? It's the latter, and I'm going to get into it completely tomorrow. But for now, 22 facts about sin. You can live right now in total victory over sin. Not sinless. Number 15, here's one of the reasons why. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Thanks for joining me today. It's very nice having you with me. I enjoy studying the Bible together. Whether it helps you or not, it helps me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. King James says there's no temptation that's taken to you except what is common to man. You know, I've just been, I really feel like there's like a demon that's been assigned a, a to me that it, he overtake. No, first of all, chill. That's the devil trying to get you to overvalue his power and undervalue the power of God that's for you. You know, it's different for me. I have like an extra strong. It's like people that, that are sick, you know, that, that, that can't receive healing. You know, the, the thing I have, they said it's the most severe. Stop focusing on how great the sickness is and focus on the efficacy of the blood of Jesus to heal you. Stop focusing on the power of sin and focus on the power of righteousness. The temptations that you face are no different than what others face. You don't have it extra. Other people don't succeed in their Christianity because they have an easy road and you've had a much harder road. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. That's what the Bible says. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more then you can stand. God will never allow you to be tempted more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will also show you the way out so that you can escape. Number 15, God will never allow you to be overmatched by temptation. God will never, very important to understand, because if that's true, how does somebody make a doctrine of, out of how we have to all sin every day? Or we have, how many know as long as we're in a human body, we're going to sin? Explain that to me. Because the Bible said, though there's temptation, God will never allow the temptation to be more than what you can take, and he'll always provide a way out so that you can escape. So tell me why those things being so, according to the word of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, why do I have to sin every day? If every temptation that I face is weaker than my spirit man's power to live in righteousness. First Corinthians 10, 13 in the Amplified Classic, Tim wrote. Somebody put the text of that. I would like to see what it says in the Amplified Classic. Not the Amplified, Amplified Classic, AMPC. Put the text up if you would, copy and paste. I don't have an Amplified Classic Bible with me. Thanks, uh, Jim. I appreciate that. Where do you watch from, Hidden Jim? I know you're trying to remain hidden, but you don't have to give me the exact street address. Just nation and state. Georgia. I'm coming to Warner Robins, Georgia, in three, week, three weekends from now. Nancy wrote, my thoughts can be awful. I have a different time controlling them. Just remember this. Thoughts, in most cases, aren't sin. Kenneth Hagin would say, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Casting down every vain imagination and thought that would exalt itself against God. If I have the thought to beat someone up that has wronged me, that's not a sin. If I act on it, it's a sin. So you resist thoughts that are against the word of God. All right. For no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and essayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always also provide you the way out, the means of escape to a landing place, that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. 
That's excellent. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13 in the Amplified Classic. Pastor Tyler in Saskatchewan said he just downloaded Making Sin Your Slave. Tell me where you found it. Do we have it on our website? If we do, one thing you're going to notice is my voice is much higher. It's not gruff like it is now because I was only preaching like once every three weeks instead of uh, three times a day. Number 14, you can live in total victory over sin. Number 15, God will never allow you to be overmatched by temptation. We have that. Number 16, turn to Numbers 25. Thanks for putting the, the text up, guys. And by the way, for Bible study, the Amplified Classic is a, is a great one. Ah, Making Sin Your Slave is on our website for free. Can you, can you pop it up or no? Yeah. Let me see what it looks like. Eighty-two minutes. So there it is on our website, available for a donation, and you don't even have to make a donation. Hey, Jens, said so Danish here, very different from how Bible is taught in our culture. Exciting perspective. Let me tell you something. This is very different from how the Bible is also taught in our culture. Somehow they started to teach the Bible in a way that made an allowance for sin, and it tore the, the generations apart. Sin is a destroyer. It's not something to have a light attitude about. Glad you're watching in, in Denmark. And good job uh, during, during COVID. You guys didn't go nuts. You actually gave people a lot of freedom. Admirable. Numbers 25. Our website is... Why am I in the back of the New Testament? Numbers 25. The website is revivaltoday.com, and then what do they click on? Store? Does it say store? Revivaltoday.com, and you click on store. That's true, TD. Hey, uh... You finished school. I saw Oral Roberts had their graduation yesterday. Numbers 25. Looks like we'll be taking this in three parts. There's no way I'm going to get all these other ones in. So we'll close with 15. God will never allow you to be overmatched by temptation. I saw that. In Denmark, it's illegal to pray for the sick and demon-possessed. Because they have old, you know, the medieval laws on quackery? That's the, like, official name in English. That if somebody, like, if somebody claimed that they can help you when you're sick and their, their cure was for you to rub garlic on your ears... It's called quackery. Denmark moved, praying for the sick and anointing with oil under, under the, the quackery laws. They'll do the same thing in other European nations, and if they don't, if you're not careful, they'll do the same. It's the same devil everywhere. God will never allow you to be tempted past what you compare. Put the, uh, the digital download up. I would love for everybody to get that today. It's free. I think that was the first ministry product I ever produced. 
back when it was a big deal to do that. Back when it was just me. I did that at my dad's, uh, my dad's studio with Jim and Chris Fanari. Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth teaches you how to live totally free from sin. That would be worth hearing. I tried to get that in as many teenagers' hands as I could when I was doing youth camps, but it's for everybody. Making sin your slave. Revivaltoday.com. You click on store and then go to uh, shop digital downloads. Somebody said, how can it be illegal to pray for the sick? What kind of world are we living in? You've got to remember, before they make something illegal in a country, nobody was doing it anyway. So it's like I'll go to a country in Europe and they'll say they made it illegal to preach outside and convert people outside. Then you say, when was the last time your church did an outdoor crusade to convert people? Well, we would have been. So if you step out of a space as the church, then darkness moves in. If you occupy that space... Like, they can't make outdoor conversions illegal while you're having outdoor crusades. That's why um, when they made outdoor conversion illegal in Nigeria, Bensonita Hosa just announced a million-soul outdoor crusade with T.L. Osborne. And they said, did the Lord speak to you to do that? He said, no, anything the devil tells you not to do, you do it more. Why does it seem none of the God-filled pastors like you come to Southern Oregon? I can't speak for the other ones, but for me, I can tell you, no invitations. People say, what, what do you need to come to where I'm at? An invitation. It generally doesn't go over well if you just storm the platform and rip the mic out of the pastor's hand and start preaching. I'm not opposed to it, but... <laughs> Yens, I could tell I would get along with you. Well, I'm not coming back to the river in Columbus, but I will be at Warner Robins, Georgia, in a, in a couple of weekends. <laughs> Preston. Why do I know that last name, Bukes? Oh, I know. Are you, are you South African, Amy Bukes? I know there was a famous actress from uh, South Africa with the last name Bukes. What's the unforgivable sin? Rewind. I think so, Brad. I'll never be back to the river, Columbus, Georgia, until Pastor Mike pays me back that $26 he borrowed from me. see that, Cheryl. South Africa, good to have you watching. I clicked on it, but do not see how to download it. Can you do it, uh, Jay? Is it able to be downloaded? Oh, you got married this weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, Pastor Mike's one of the best. Sarah downloaded it. Was anybody else able to, to download it? Bill, all right, it's good. So if you're having problems, might be time to upgrade from the iPhone 2. And it's getting moved to the top of the store right now, so it'll be easier to find. Have your grandson do it for you. That's true, actually. All right, good. A lot of people have been able to download it.
Hey, Johannesburg. The website is revivaltoday.com. Floofy Cat downloaded it, so you have felines. You don't even have working thumbs, you know. So really the fault's on you if we have cats doing it now. You'll find it, Linda. I believe in you. Don't just download it. Listen to it. Good, Gwen. Listen to it, and let me know what you think. Let me know what you learned from it. And then I'm, I'm going to go over a lot of what we covered there in two days now before we finish this week. This week. You're welcome, Julia. Thanks, Janine. We're building a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm also believing, I have this out as kind of a fleece. We did a worldwide television broadcast on Daystar. Our old record for calls off of one program was 260, 263, something like that. We had exactly 2,000. Thank you, Nancy. We had exactly 2,770 calls for prayer and some of those for salvation. Ten times the, the, the record because Daystar has a much bigger reach. So if somebody sows $20,000 this week, I'm going to do it again. And if they don't, I'm not, because we're building a church, and I'm not going to extend myself in nine different directions. Obviously, that kind of reach ain't cheap, nor should it be. So if somebody believes in our preaching and wants to see it touch the whole world for one hour, and you, you feel to be the one that sows it, then, then do it. If not, no pressure. But then we're building the church, and I do want to challenge everybody to do your best uh, today as we build a Holy Ghost church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right by the airport, slated to open in October. We have the land. Now, now we're uh, rebuilding the building. And I'm going to send you th very nice thank you gifts for helping me. I'm believing for 500 people that will sow $1,000 which we might have already surpassed that. If not, it's getting close. Uh, I'm believing for 100 people that'll sow 5,000, and then I'm, I'm believing for businesses that'll do five figures or more. So they're going to put the ways to give at the bottom, hashtag donate, Venmo, PayPal. We have that all now. PayPal and um, or, or Venmo and uh, Cash App are both dollar sign RT give. So leave that up. Oh, it's an at. So Venmo's at RTGIF and Cash App's dollar sign RTGIF. You're welcome, GSS Trucking. And we're feeding 1,200 kids a day. So whichever one of those tickles your fancy, we do a lot. It's too much to get into at the end of every day. But I thank you for your giving. Ask the Lord what he'd have you to give and do a second thing. Believe God for a supernatural harvest as you put his kingdom first, as you're literally building a church. Sorry, Ann, we'll get on that. She said, I sent a, a picture on Instagram and no husband yet. We haven't had a time to get to it on, on uh, Check the News, but be patient. Here's the church video. Thank you for your giving. I'll see you on Check the News tonight, and we'll conclude this lesson tomorrow. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as Adalis and I are here to announce our next big move, biggest move we've ever made 
for a revival today. Behind me is a building that will look nothing like it looks right now when we finish. We're on just under five acres of property that we've just finished purchasing, which is going to give us the ability to have a state-of-the-art studio. And in that studio, something I've wanted to have for a long time, which is a live studio audience. It's gonna be a 500 seat building when we finish with it, that'll give us the ability to touch the world with our broadcast. This facility is gonna give me the ability to do what I've really missed, which is having you in the audience to minister to personally. Obviously, you can't beat the reach of digital media. We touch the whole world every day, but we have the ability now with this to lay hands on people, pray for people that are sick, a place where you can bring people that are drug addicted, demonized, and really give them the ministry that you can't get on YouTube and Facebook. I can't wait. And then beyond that, we're going to announce the launch of Revival Today Church. We're going to hold Holy Ghost Church services every Sunday morning. I'll be there most Sunday mornings. This isn't gonna be like some little side project. We're going to give you and your family a place you can go that's a soul winning church that values the presence of God, where you can get prayed for and ministered to, where there's not a critical race theory lecture or a mass and social distancing 10 minutes of no talking to anybody in the lobby. None of that. We're going to have a place where you're free and where you're free to experience the presence of God. I'm incredibly excited because I know a lot of you have been asking about different meetings and events that we couldn't have during COVID and trust me, we tried so hard. So this really frees us up to do everything that we want to do with healing meetings and women's conferences. So I am so looking forward to seeing you and having you be a part of this. So I wanna give you a two-fold call to action. Number one, if your church turned in to a liberal nightmare in 2020 and you need a place to go. I would be happy to have you at our church. Number two, if you are a partner or a friend of our ministry revival today, this is the biggest move by far we've ever made. By the time we finish remodeling that building, the acquiring of the property, you're looking at a couple of M's. So if you, uh, if you would stand with us now, I'll say thank you ahead of time. Pray and ask the Holy Ghost what he would have you to do. You've been so generous, and I thank you ahead of time for your extreme generosity. I know I speak on behalf of my wife, everybody here at Revival Today, when I say we love you very much. And now I can say I look forward to seeing you face to face here at the new home of Revival Today. Hey. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.